Hi, Gary Zacharias here with the Apologist Bookshelf. I came across a book that's just got published and I had a chance to read it and I highly recommend it. It's called Truth Changes Everything by Dr. Jeff Myers, who's the president of Summit Ministries. And I hope you know about Summit. They do such a good job taking young people and uh, organizing all sorts of uh, things for them and helping champion a biblical worldview that they can go back into their community and share with others. So a really good job of that organization. And uh, this is uh, subtitled, How People of Faith Can Transform the World in Times of Crisis. Boy, is that a great title or what? or subtitle, I should say, How People of Faith Can Transform the World. Uh, wouldn't that be nice? I, I pray for that. We need a reformation again. Well, Sean McDowell is one of the people who give it a real thumbs up. This is what he has to say about it. This book is perfectly titled because truth does change everything. It changes whether we live in hope, love, and faith, or fear and despair. Dr. Myers lays out what it's at stake in the battle for truth and offers a roadmap for how truth can be known and experienced. This is a timely, insightful, and story-filled book, and he's exactly right. I'm going to go toward the end of the book here. He spent a lot of time telling us what the problem is, telling us how truth, over the generations, people who believed in truth, who believed in the Christian view of things, how they've turned the world upside down, and now things are falling apart again. Now, he talks about I like the chapter title, How to Tell the Truth and Be Nice at the Same Time. Uh, that's that's a challenge, isn't it? I mean, it's easy to tell the truth and just slam people. Or you can be all warm and fuzzy and say, oh, isn't that nice? And never raise a disagreement and, and people keep going with what they're doing and think it's perfectly okay. So he says how to tell the truth and be nice at the same time. So I'm looking at a section here called 14 Ways to practice speaking up personally in a way that builds trust. Now, think about that. Speaking up, but building trust. It seems like those would be two opposite things. But he said, how should we be truth tellers in our own time? And so he has a list here, and I'd like to go through these because I think they're so useful. He says these are some of the practices that he tries to use. Number one, use five conversation-altering words. And here they are. Tell me more about that. He said, uh, I like to let people know I'm interested in them, not just the point they're making. I want to be curious, he says. So I like that. I thought that was really good. Draw more things out of the person you're talking to. Number two, ask questions. He said, sometimes he gets a little nervous and he starts shutting down. But he said, I need to have some questions available. For example, and this should sound familiar for people who like Greg Kokel and his work at Stand to Reason. He had a book that was highly influential that really changed me. I loved it. It's called Tactics. And so you're going to hear an echo of Kokel in here. So he said, number two is ask questions like what? Here's one. What do you mean? He says, really important to define terms. Make sure people explain what they mean. If somebody says, for example, well, evolution proves the Bible is untrue. He said, I, I asked him, what, what do you mean by evolution? What do you mean by prove? What about truth? If somebody says there's no God, I ask, what do you mean by God? So that's always a great opener. Notice it puts the pressure on the other person, not on you. I love that. And you're asking for more information, so they're not going to be offended if you ask for that. Uh, the second part of asking questions, here's another one. How did you arrive at that conclusion? So in other words, all right, you believe X. How did you come to that conclusion would be what, what are your experiences? What have you read? What have you thought about that uh, 
would come to that conclusion. So he said, here's an example. Somebody says, I can never believe in a God who would allow evil. Then Meyer says, well, sounds like there's a story behind that. Would you be willing to share that with me? I thought that was good. Here's another question that you can ask as part of number two, still asking questions. How do you know what you believe is true? And he's on to something there because so many people just assume something is true because they've heard it over and over. It's been on television or their friends have said it or a teacher in a classroom. But how do you know what you believe is true? Somebody might say something like, well, sexuality is determined at birth, but gender is a choice. And Myers uh, role plays this. He says, if I heard that, this is what I would say. That's interesting. I've heard that theory that sexuality and gender are different things, but how do you know it's true that this difference is real? Yeah. So how do you know what you believe is true? Great challenging question. But again, notice you're not offending this person. You're, you're just collecting information. So I like that. Here's a fourth question you can ask. What happens if, you, if you're wrong? And he said, what I like to do with that one is just to leave the other person thinking. Kokel used to say, leaving a stone in somebody's shoe. So he said, that's really good. He said, if somebody says, well, it doesn't matter whether the person I vote for is pro-life, elected officials can't do anything about abortion anyway. And Myers will say, well, can I just tell you this? What if you're wrong and the advocacy of an elected official does matter? So there are the four questions. Let's go over those real fast again. I think they're so helpful. What do you mean? How did you arrive at that conclusion? How do you know what you believe is true? And what happens if you're wrong? Those are such powerful questions. And notice none of those four is requiring you to be an expert. You're just asking the questions. All right, so number one was, uh, tell me more about that. Just trying to draw out more information from the person. Number two is ask questions. Here's number three. Three, show that you care. Now, how do you show that? He said, well, he said, I want the other person to actually hear this. I care about you. I care about our country. And I care about doing what makes sense. Oh, that is so good. Showing that you care. You're not just trying to win an argument, although that may be a goal to win the argument, but it's you care about that person. That person's made in the image of God. You care about the country. I think this is vital that we have to get that across to people. When we're engaged in discussions about transgenderism or same-sex marriage or homosexuality, whatever it is, that's a tough issue. It's a hot-button issue. We need to remind people we're not doing this because we think it's just good for our religion. We think it's good for the country. And then finally he said there, and I care about what makes sense, doing what makes sense. So uh, those are so good instead of just, well, I'm doing this because that's what the Bible wants us to do. It's so vital that, that the other person knows that our ideas are ways that we think will actually bring betterment to the human race and to the world in general. This is not just so Christianity can win something. It's the way Christianity is set up. It makes for a better functioning person and a better world. So I like that one. I'll show that we care. That's number three. Here's number four. Keep the message clear. Oh, I think that's good. He's, he says, here's what I mean. Keep the message clear. How do you do it? You get the attention of the other person based on what's important to them. It shows the need, whatever the problem is that you're talking about. It comes up with a solution to the problem, and then it says, what, what can we do about it? What are some of the steps that can be taken? So clear messaging. We don't want to go drifting off. If we are trying to answer a question and somebody throws us another question, 
we probably want to say, well, well, can we just deal with this first question instead of starting to mix them up? So that was number four. Keep the message clear. Number five, avoid creating unsolvable fear. What does he mean by that? He said Americans are suffering from a lot of fear. He has a statistic here, something like as high as 85% of the population lives with a sense of impending doom. He says that's an indication of clinical anxiety. He says for Gen Z people, about 70% of the Gen Z people, their top fear is being alone. So he said, here's what he tries to do. He said if, if he's talking about something in a presentation or conversation, he says, I'm concerned about what's happening in the world, but we're not helpless. There are things we can do. So we calm them down a little bit and, and say it's not all gloom and doom. Number six, acknowledge the need for social validation. Kind of a mouthful, but he said, he says, you know, here's what you can do to somebody. I know how important it is to know you're in good company. You might be surprised by the number of people who find what I'm saying plausible. Right? That's social validation. I'm not the only one. So if you can find quotations, if you can find anybody that agrees with you, I think that's really helpful. Number seven, get to know the person. They said uh, people want to find agreement with those that they like. So we connect with individuals with their likes, their sports, their leisure time, whatever it is. You got to create a connection. He says there's a study that they found that when participants shared personal information about their interests and families with other people, the failure rate of a conversation dropped to 6%. So just being likable and expressing an interest increases the success of whatever it is you're talking about. So get to know the person. Number eight, offer a way to be consistent. What does he mean by that? Well, it says people really are amiable and down deep. And so you might say something like this. Hey, you're a good listener. Thanks for being willing to talk about these hard subjects. I want you to know I'd stand up for your freedom to say what you think. I hope you do the same for me. And maybe as a follow-up comment, uh, Myers would say something like this. I'd like to know if you disagree. Would you reach out to me directly if you find yourself maybe irritated by something I said? So you're trying to offer a way to be consistent. Here's number nine, deflect hostility. Oh, he says once in a while, the person he's talking to gets a little hostile. He said, I have to step it down, not step it up. I've got to stop uh, building up that pressure. So he said, I try to settle things down by just doing things like this, acknowledging differences. You say, well, we have differences and that's okay. Or, hey, having differences is normal. That's part of life. Or how about this? You know, we have more in common than we realize. We both care about making life better for people around us. And try not to focus on personality issues. We may not end up agreeing, but I respect your right to say what you think. And be friendly. I know we don't see eye to eye, but you've given me a lot to think about, and I hope you feel the same. So notice you're trying to bring the pressure down a little bit. So that was number nine, deflect hostility. Here's number 10, encouraging feedback. So you might do something like this. This is what Myers does. Why don't you take this argument that, that we've been discussing here, my position, take it to some of your friends and get some feedback. If they have some good responses, I'd, I'd love to hear. And I said, feedback is persuasive. He said, in fact, inviting feedback can help people to consider your viewpoint even better. So encourage feedback. Ask them to think about it. Ask them to talk to others and get back to you. Number 11, don't be discouraged by resistance. 
I like that. He said resistance to persuasion is actually a step in the persuasion process. People will resist for a lot of reasons. Maybe it's loss of status or comfort or security. He said that's healthy. That brings energy. So he said at some point in conversations, I try to say something like this. You know, thinking this through with you makes both of us stronger. So don't be discouraged by resistance. Good point. So here's number 12. Ask for change. What's he talking about there? Well, instead of just saying, here are some points, I hope you consider them, he said at, at his Summit Ministries programs, he'll ask students, what are the barriers that would stop you personally from living a life after you've committed to Christ? And he says, I, he recognizes that's a big question, but he said, I just don't want students to just think, okay, being committed to Jesus is a great idea. He said, I want them to go one step further to experience some kind of change. And he says, that's a bold question, but he says, that's a persuasive act to ask people to consider change in their lives as a result of these ideas. So ask for change. Number 13, I find number 13 really hard myself, be comfortable with silence. He says there are many times when our words get in the way of God's message. Boy, that's true. I think I say too much and uh, muddy the water. James 1.19, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Proverbs 10:19 When words are many transgression is not lacking but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Yeah. Remember the story of Job, his friends come to find out what's going on going on in his life and they just sit there in quiet times with him for a long time. In fact, it was only when they open their mouths that they kind of mess things up. Uh, so it says a silent witness can be an eloquent witness to God's power. And then his last point number 14 Keep your mood positive. He said people that are energetic and have a positive attitude, just it radiates and leads others to be positive. And the opposite is true. If you sound negative, it sours everybody. So he said, uh, this is really good. Be positive. Uh, you're, remember, you're not asking just for somebody to change his or her mind. You're saying, consider how this makes society better. We want a better country. We want better individuals. And so the things we're talking about could lead to that. And so you're, you're offering a rosy, positive view of things. And you have, hopefully, your own witness of how God's changed your life. And so you come across as an enthusiastic person. You're not sour, that bad stereotype of Christians that they're all sour. So there you go. Can I just rattle them off again real fast here? Use five conversation-altering words. Tell me more about that. Number two, ask questions like, what do you mean? How did you arrive at that conclusion? How do you know what you believe is true? What happens if you're wrong? Number three, show caring. Number four, keep the message clear. Five, avoid creating unsolvable fear. Six, acknowledge the need for social validation. Seven, get to know them. Eight, offer a way to be consistent. Nine, deflect hostility. Ten, encourage feedback. 11. Don't be discouraged by resistance. 12. Ask for change. 13. Be comfortable with silence. 14. Keep your mood positive. Well, that's a a lot to consider. It's a lot to deal with. And obviously, we're not going to do all those things immediately. But what a challenge. And this book is a wonderful book. Uh, I would really encourage people to take a look at it sometime. Dr. Jeff Myers. It's called Truth Changes Everything. He has some great stories a wonderful history in here of how Christianity at one time was the truth-seeking religion. And what did it do? It changed education. It changed 
charity, how we care for each other. It changed how we value human life. It changed science. It changed the arts. It changed politics. It changed justice. It changed the way we work. All sorts of things. So, good book. Uh, too bad these times require something like this, don't they, when people challenge us even on the idea of truth. Okay, well, I hope you have a good rest of the day, and thanks for listening.